about the idea of moving forward, I, I was thinking about the idea of journey. And oftentimes, the idea of taking a walk, and I actually I found myself, it was a couple days ago, just actually making, taking a walk. I had a lot of things on my mind. I got up real early, took a hike, got, just went on, and just started um, along the way. There were some issues that I was wrestling with. And uh, you know what happens in life, and some of us probably have that happening. We might have that happening right now in our lives. There, there's things in our mind we're trying to, you know, I was trying to find the, I was trying to recognize what is it that's going on inside of me that's making me feel this way about where, where things are going and, and just kind of trying to sit with that. And uh, I, I found myself just spending some time along the way, along the walk as I was just moving forward, thinking about what, what the Lord might want to say to me. And I, I, I just found myself at the end of the day reminding myself that I was putting my trust in him. And uh, in fact, that I was brought back to the idea of, you know, the Lord's Prayer even in that moment became more than just a religious ritual to me. It was something that spoke to me, you know. Our Father who is in heaven, holy or hallowed or set apart is your name, unlike any other. Um, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I, I said, Lord, all right, I, I pray for your will to be done in my life. And I yield myself to that. So, because so, a lot of times when we, when we are in tension over things or fearful about things, a lot of times our fear is because we can't control. And what we're going to see here, hopefully, if I can convey it even remotely in the way that it deserves, is that when we worship God, it has a way of resetting things so that our perspective is shifted. And we remind ourselves we're not in control. God, we, our trust is in you. I can then be in a stable place. You know, on that trail that I was walking on, there was a lot of um, uneven places. And it reminded me, of, and there were rocks and things, and it reminded me of the psalm where he says, help my feet not to slip. And the idea is that along the path of life, there are, there are precarious places we get ourselves into when we're walking along, and we have things that we're facing or afraid of or around the bend that we can't see, but we sense they're coming our way. And then also the idea of moving forward carries with it the idea that I've got to, to move forward, I have to leave some things behind, right? And a lot of times we're holding on to things we can't get free. And I use that analogy all the time because it's the be one of the best ones I know, that I really can't move forward with God until I let go of some things that maybe, or at least I confess my willingness, Lord, to trust you and let go. Sometimes those things have to do with hurts of our life, uh, you know, uh, fears. I mean, it might have to do with just, a stubbornness and our willfulness, you know, but, but the, the moving forward with God is always going to involve letting go of something to, to move into something new. And uh, the Lord has things for us to move into. So I want to I look at this 92nd Psalm. In fact, uh, Psalm 92 is uh, part of the larger uh, book of the Bible that we know as the Psalms, our Psalms. Uh, they were songs. In fact, in the Bible, it's the biggest book of the Bible the longest, most expansive. It's also been historically known, both in the Older Testament church and the New Testament church, it has been known as the hymnal of the church. Because the Psalms were really songs. It literally means a poem set to music. We know that the Psalms were written as prayers, but they were poetry as well. And they had, they had, they had music that was attached to them. Now, we don't know what those, the music is anymore. That was, that's been lost. No one remembers the musical pieces, but the words have been saved. 
So what that means is for generations, followers of the Lord have been setting the Psalms to music in their own terms. And that becomes very much of a life-giving thing. Now, at the beginning of the year, we opened up with the 90th Psalm. And uh, that we, we were doing a series called The Windows of Opportunity. And we looked at the 90th Psalm. Now what I want to do for my piece here, for the next four weeks, I would like to, Lord willing, share out of the 92nd Psalm. And there's so much wisdom. And it actually has tremendous meaning for me personally. But I want to I be able to encourage all of us along the way. And this is just something to consider. In the next four weeks, I'm going to challenge some of you to really spend a time, maybe even once a week, or more than that if you feel like it, looking at the 92nd Psalm. And if you may feel like, you know what, maybe I've never done, I've never even done that. I've, I've maybe read it a few times. Some of us maybe haven't even read it. So others of us have read it many times. But I would encourage some of us, if there's a particular verse along the way that stands out, maybe even say, you know, I'm going to memorize this verse, and I'm going I'm to just kind of rehearse this through my, my day, uh, through my week. I'm going to actually try to implement something that will be life-giving. Because at the core, I was, I was hoping that this, this message even and this psalm would come alive to us and that it would meet us in our, in our complex, highly um, noisy. And I mean noisy in the sense that there's so many things that come at us all the time. Technology is an amazing gift, but it also has, and it's just funny, it's supposed to have simplified our life. And in some ways it has, but it's also created a lot of opportunities for having now access to information and entertainment choices. And whether we realize it or not, our life has become much more noisy. And part of living with life with God in a moving forward way is slowing down and creating space and sometimes even simplifying. In a very technical world with many things going on, we reduce the complexity and we move into some degree of simplicity. Worship at its core is simple. It's just about us sharing with God who he is. And now let's look at, let's look at this 92nd Psalm together. And in fact, I put this in the handout as well. And Psalm 92 says this in verse number one. It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name. What we did, almost oh, high, what we just did was great. That's what we're supposed to do. But this is something that's not just to be done when we gather in community and have church. But when we are, if I can use this phrase, the church out in our world. And we get to be a worshiping person. If, it, if we're going to really move forward with God, then, then one of the things we need to realize is giving thanks to him, singing praises to him, uh, is to be a part of our life. Oh, most high. Look what he goes on to say. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. I'm going to talk more about this next week, but do you see how he's saying, you know, Lord, I open up my day, and I say thank you. At the opening of the day, in, in the morning hour, I declare your loving kindness in the morning. When I rise, when the day is yet a gift to me to be opened up. I have no knowledge of what will be, but I open it up with, and I need to do this more, and we need to be intentional about this. Thanking you, Lord, Declaring how your loving kindness is a gift to me. And then he says also, and your faithfulness every night. So you see the contrast at the opening of the day and the closing of it. As I look back on it, I say, thank you, God. I honor you in my life. You see the anchor points of reference 
Not just this religious thing, and I don't even mean the term in a derisive way, but not something I just sequester to, to one day a week and only an hour in that day, but it's something that involves my life. We'll talk about that. And then he says this, on an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute and the harp, these are ancient instruments, with a harmonious sound, but it reminds us that what we do in worship is very biblical. Guitars and, and singing and harmony, it's just all... It's been a tradition of generations, and, it's, and it connects us with God because God created that capacity. There's something about human nature, how we've been crafted as human beings, that we are moved by certain things. We are emotive. We, are, we respond. We respond to music, art, um, nature. It does something to our soul. I, I often say it's, it's like opens them. When, when music is, when the word, certain words are set to music, it can open up our, our heart to God. There's a power in it, a force, and it can go in a lot of directions, by the way. Okay, he says this. He says, for, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. This is how I'll face my life, with joy and gladness and a spirit of triumphal optimism. And, oh, Lord, how great are your works and your thoughts. They are very deep. If people really knew you, God, they would realize how deep you really are, all the depth, the great depth to God. The more you know, the more you realize how deep this relationship with the Lord really is, how much is. It's like, it's like a land that opens up. I often tell people, have you ever, when you start to read the Bible, I've talked to people who just come to Jesus and they've made a decision and their lives are being touched by the Lord and for the first time, they're like seeing things, and sometimes they've never actually even read a Bible. And they read it, and they go, wow, you know, I don't get everything in it. There's a lot of things there, but there are some, there's a point where certain things start to really open up. And it's like, wow, I didn't even see this. This is so much. And you know what? Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus and the scriptures and the Bible is that it, it is something that we can get something from if we have no reference point at all and we just look at it, it'll get some value. But you can be following Christ your entire life and it continues to take on new meaning. The facets of it, the depth of it, it's like a mind that's never fully explored. And the more we think we know, the more there is. And then on top of that, because our life is changing on a continual basis and the Spirit of God is present in that word, all of a sudden, it's like there's always new things that God wants to say to us, new things that are being underlined to face where we are in our life. As our life changes, God's word also oftentimes changes to fit where we are. And I don't mean that it changes in terms of his meaning, but in how it hits us in our own life. There are certain verses I may have read hundreds and hundreds of times, and all of a sudden, it becomes like a living word to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like all of a sudden, it's like the Lord will say to us as we're reading it. This is your word. Embrace this word strongly. Okay, Psalm 92 teaches us some things then. One of the things it teaches us, I'll just put this up. Principally speaking, this is going to seem like very basic, but it's, it's actually quite profound in, in terms of what it really means, is that when it comes to moving forward with God, we must remember, based on what we just read in these first five verses, that it is always going to be centered in, around worship, praise, and song. That worship, that the, that the vibrant life with God, the growing life with God is always going to have in it in some way worship and there's going to be a praise and a song in our life. Uh, it has to do with things that are alive. And there are two, you know, so what I'm talking about when we say, hey, what does it mean to worship God? We heard it earlier even described. It means I'm, I'm honoring, I'm describing who you are, Lord. I'm testifying to who you are. Not just who you are in terms of what, 
you tell us that you are, but also who you are to me. I express my love to you. I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you for the gift of, of son, of Jesus, who gave everything for me. I, I thank you, Lord, in so many ways, and I acknowledge you, and I, I remind myself of, of your greatness and your, your, your eternal I mean, there's just so many things, how you are faithful from every generation. To, I mean, we can spend so much time. So it's, it's singing to him. It's declaring who he is. It's expressing thanksgiving to him. It's worship. It's, it's a humility of our heart before him. And what that does, and there are two very good reasons why you and I should do this, and not just when we come to church, when we gather in community. And I'm going to put those two reasons. These are not necessarily in order, but they're both very important reasons. And the first one is this, that we, we should worship God because worshiping God helps us. I can, it helps us. You say, well, how, do you, how does it do it? But it helps us by getting our focus off of ourselves and getting it on to God. And when we do that, you know what happens? We get a healthier perspective. All of a sudden, the things that are sort of out of alignment, um, our perspectives that are being distorted, when we worship him, oftentimes what happens is when we start to acknowledge who he is to us, who he is, who his word teaches who he is, when we start to sing to him, and in some way, even when we're all by ourselves sometimes, it's the best place. And we just say, Lord, this is who you are. This is what I'm going through, but this is who you are to me. This is who your word tells me you are. I, I declare it in my life. When that happens, we find ourselves getting into a settled place. Again, I, I, I was sharing you that I was making that walk, and I was thinking, I was filled with anxiety. I was in tension. I was disturbed. I wasn't quite sure how, to even, how I was even supposed to approach this issue that I was going to have to deal with. And, and then as I made my way through, just periodically, and again, there was nothing else going on competing with my mind and thoughts. I had carved out space to just be with God. But I, I wasn't even just like in a super holy place. I was just taking a walk. And I was exercising at the same time I was, I was trying to pray. And I was thinking. And I was trying to reflect. And ask the Lord, show me what's happening. Lord, I, I sense stuff happening in me. But why is that going on? Why is this in, what is happening here? I don't get it. And along the way, just sitting with the Lord, you begin to, the Lord, this is what I'm trying to say, God is so real that he will, he will meet us. And I was just fine, I just found myself saying, Lord, you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to trust you. I think I'm supposed to just trust you. I think my fear is because I'm not in control. But I really don't control anything. Remind me, Lord, that you are God and I am not. You are faithful. I am unfaithful at times. You are faithful. You are good. You give everything. You, your work endures the generations. As a reminding myself of who he is, so you know what, Lord? Nothing is new to you. I can trust you. I'm going to trust you. I may not get everything that's going on here, but you know what I feel like, Lord? I need to trust you more. I need to be intentional about trusting you. I worship you. You are my Lord and Savior. I thank you. I love you. I put my life in your hands. I, I stand against fear. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind, and I claim your promise even now, Jesus. And what I'm saying is we can do this. You know, uh, was, I think it was Max Lucado, the, the, the writer, who said, a lot of us suffer from poor eyesight. He says, not this kind of eyesight, but eyesight. We don't have a healthy perspective of who we're supposed to be in God. We're not seeing ourselves correctly. 
a lot of times, and this it's reminded me of a, of, a, of a teaching in the book of Romans, and I put this in the handout as well, because I think it's really connected to what we're talking about here, the power of worship, and how sometimes we are seeing things incorrectly and in a distorted way, and how worship has a way of tweaking that around. But this is what Paul wrote in Romans 12. He said, because of the privilege and authority, he's writing to believers, and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. He's giving them a strong warning. He says, don't think you are better but this is good medicine for all of us. Don't ever think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. He's talking about the community of believers, making the analogy between Christ's body. That's why some of the church is called the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. What he was trying to get at here, he's saying, don't be so proud as to think you don't need other people. Some of us are very self-sufficient. Others of us have an extremely, if the truth were known, we have a, and it doesn't have to come across as pompous or cocky for us to have a, a strong sense of confidence in ourselves. That might be based on the track record. It might be based on some things we've accomplished. It might be, be based on how much we have, how much we've acquired, positions we've, our, our perception of our intelligence, whatever it may be, all the things that prop us up. Some of us are, have a track record of achievement, so we tend to feel like I can do things. If we are in the, any of those places, we need to be careful always, the Bible says, of a spiritual disease, the disease called pride, and overconfidence. Do you understand that part of what Paul was also saying was that don't, some of us think, like, the truth is, we think we really don't need anybody. We can get them fine. I don't need people. Paul was saying, actually, whatever it is in, in, the, in, in the other life, when you come into the, into the life with Christ, don't ever forget, none of us have everything, and we all need others. This is meant to be connected. This is not about a solo, I'm in control, I got it all, I can handle anything, I believe in me, I love me, I'm special, and I'm all, okay, you hear what I'm saying, right? And I know I gotta balance all this out, lest it be misconstrued, but what I am saying is that that kind of self-confidence can be very damaging. And you know what? You know one of the, power, the powerful truths is? When I worship God, I'm stripped away of all the pretense. Part of the, the reason I said it helps me, when some of us who struggle with the idea that, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't really need God, I don't really need other people, what worship does <laughs> is it strips away the veneer. And when we really do it right, we become raw. We are raw. And you know what? That happens in life. I've watched it happen in life. I've watched people stripped away of things and all of a sudden, everything is raw. And what was before a life completely closed off to God is now, because the realization is, I'm not taking anything with me. And what really matters at the end of the day is relationships with the people I love, but, but even more than that, with God. What am I going to do about that? Things get stripped away. Sometimes we lose stuff and we go, well, that's who I thought, but that's, I'm, that is not who I was. That's just, that's... What I was, but who I really am, God's never been. Worship has a way of reminding us who he is and who we are. You see it? 
It keeps us humble. But on the other hand, what was Paul also saying? He's saying, be very careful here about how you measure yourself. Some of us, okay, some of us, may, we may struggle with an over a sense of self-confidence. Maybe some of us haven't tasted defeat in life. Real pain, real suffering, real rejection, disappointment. When you do, it has a way of altering things. But some of us get through. And we build walls. But on the other hand, there are others of us who, honestly, we struggle sometimes if the truth were known, you can't always tell. That's what I've come to see. Pastoring now for decades and also trying to look into my own heart and having a tremendous amount of conversations with people in very intimate moments has reminded me that even the most accomplished among us at times may struggle with deep feelings of unworthiness. And there are times when some of us truly have deep levels of, of, of feeling like we're really not that good or that competent or it might have to do with outward things like appearance or disappointments in life or our standing or stuff. And we start, you know what? We bring that into our life with God. And one of the things that the Lord reminds us of is that we need to remember how much we are loved by him, how valuable we truly are. Part of it, some of us, our struggle is to always keep pride and controlling in check. The others of us, it is is that tendency to become very discouraged and dismayed and to, to honestly, to, to not feel like we're that worthy. And remember, he says, you are my son and you are my daughter and I love you. I give everything for you. I call you beloved. You are my beloved. I call you my beloved. I, I give you, some of us, we never got a blessing from people who should have loved us. But he loves us. Some of us, some people I've noted push so hard to achieve because they've got this gaping hole inside, a wound. And it's like an, a cracked jar. You pour it in and stuff just comes right out. It's like it never sits in there. You know what the Lord does? He wants to heal that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Heal the broken places, God. Heal the wounds. Bill, then, you know, and I'll take it a little step further um, because, uh, and we'll just call this the second, the second piece here, is that when we look at the psalm, you know, and I, again, I, I, I see this and I, I go, Lord, I, I'm reminded of the power of worshiping you and I, I'm reminded that you, 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 you help, when we worship you, it, it helps us. But I'm going to say this, we all start to worship him because he deserves it. That, this is important too. It's like God really deserves this. And I, and I love the way uh, Lucado put it in, in his book, The Cure for the Common Life. And so I put this in your handout. And he says this, and it's great, and it's worth even thinking about. He says, and tenderness, oh, God has never taken his eyes off you. Not for a millisecond. He's always near. He lives to hear your heartbeat. He loves to hear your prayers. Come on. He'd die for your sin before he'd let you die in your sin. And so he did. What do, you, what do you do with such a savior? Don't you sing to him? Don't you celebrate him in baptism? Elevate him in communion? Don't you, you bow a knee and lower a head? Hammer a nail? Feed the poor? Lift up your gift in worship? Of course you do. Worship God. Applaud him loud and often. For your sake, you need it. And for heaven's sake, he deserves it. That is good. We need it. He deserves it. Why not? Uh, let's take this a little further. Look at the psalm. 
Go back to verse 2. What does it say? It says, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. I was thinking about this, and again, I'll, mention, I'll talk about this a little bit more in depth in the, in the coming week. But I was thinking about this. Moving forward with God not only involves building a life of, of worship, a lifestyle of worship, where it's not hard to do it, but it also involves establishing rhythms of worship, rhythms of praise and worship in our lives. And what I, again, do you see it? Do you see it? Notice the morning and the night, the day by day. The psalm itself was traditionally sung by the Jewish people on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the seventh day. And so they would sing, they would stop from their work, and they would create room for God, and they would sing this psalm on the Sabbath day. It was one of the things they did. It was written for that purpose. And you think about it. The per, part of what they were doing on the seventh day, the one in seven, was reminding themselves to remember him every day, beginning and end. This beautiful, beautiful rhythm of life that you're always on my mind. I always remember who you are and who I am. And this is such a beautiful thing. I was thinking about, and I, I, I haven't actually seen the film. I've been reading articles on it. Some of you know I'm, I'm a baseball fan, and I, 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 the film 42, I'm reading a lot, a lot about it. In fact, I was listening to an interview um, was watching an interview with Harrison Ford, who plays this, this guy named Branch Rickey, who some of you may or may not know, but he was the, the general manager of the Dodgers, who, who was the one who recruited, essentially, Jackie Robinson to break the, the, the color barrier. This is a tremendous, he was a tremendous baseball player, but one of the things that's, that is not quite captured, it's only alluded to in the film, I was reading this, an article about it, was the fact that both of those two men, Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey, were, were, were very committed to follow Jesus in their lives. And that Jackie Robinson at a very early age had come to a real vibrant faith in God. And that faith was evidence because he had a habit he would do. He would, he, every night he would, he would end his night with prayer. He would end his day in prayer. It was a habit he acquired. In fact, one of the other things that was noted, and it's not noted in the film, because probably didn't want to touch too much on that piece, but that there were times where he was actually ridiculed because he, at one point, with some of his teammates, had advocated that he wasn't going to have any sex before he was married. Some of his teammates, not the Dodgers that he joined, but the earlier part, he, he, he was a moral, godly man. He really, it was sincere. And some of his power base of this fierce competitor was connected in his ability to turn the other cheek was connected to a, a love for God in the midst of a lot of pain and anger. He had a genuineness, and even Branch Rickey, who recruits him, is a man who was so committed in his own way to following Christ that he, it, he wouldn't even go to the games on Sunday, even though he was the one in charge. And I found myself going, why? Because, okay, here, this me out. I'm not trying, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is one in seven and day by day. And even in something like that, I saw, I go, wow, that, that's exactly what I've just been reading about. That's people of sub. There are reasons why God teaches us things. If we're going to have, and I'm, I'm all about what I want to see happen, is all of us have a life with God that is alive and well. I make no, no, I'm, I'm not putting, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything other than I love Jesus. And I want, I want as many people to follow him as possible because he changes lives. And he's awesome, and he's good, and he's real. And God is worthy of our worship. And the last thing I'll say is this. It, 
And you notice it in verse 4. It says, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will, I will triumph in the work of your hands. You know what? That involves, moving forward, is always going to involve then joyful optimism and hopeful declaration as a way of life. We will live life, Lord, as overcomers anchored in you. Yes, adversity, difficulty, they, even uh, despair. Yeah, they, well, those things may find their way to me. Life is not always going to be easy. You told us it wasn't. You said in the world you will have tribulation. But I don't want you to be defined by the negativity that comes your way. He says, I have overcome the world. And I want to fill you with my joy in such a way that there is nothing that comes at you that you cannot prevail over. That is a powerful truth that Jesus reminded us of. And I, I think praise and worship and thanksgiving are critical ways of keeping your heart soft and staying resilient in your faith. And I'm all about resilient faith. Because it's not the one who sprints. It's the long-haul runner. I've seen a lot of people come out of the gate fired up. But life throws some things that are tough. And that faith, if it doesn't have roots, often crumbles under the weight of what is hard to understand. But the long haul, the deeply rooted, the vibrant tree of Psalm 1 that bears fruit, brings forth its fruit in its season, deeply rooted by the rivers of water. Worship is a part of that. Keeps us soft with God. Last thing he said there was, what I will trust in the work of your hands. I remember when I was just a young father. My, our first son was on a bed. I think it was a bed. It might have been a swimming pool. I can't remember. <laughs> but I remember saying, son, just jump. Trust me. And they're all different, you know, because my younger son, he would, I had to keep telling him, don't do anything. Stand still. <laughs> Wait. But this one was more thoughtful, and he was more... And, 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 and I said, you got to just trust Dad's going to catch you. you gotta, you got to trust my hands. You tr trust me. I'll catch you, son. Come on. You can do this. And I think that's what God says to us sometimes. you got to trust me. Trust my hands. I'm here. I'm not letting you go. I'm with you. Come on. Move in. Jump out. Step forward. Let go. Trust me, walk with me, learn from me, lean into me. I'm calling you in. Worship me, love me, welcome me in. You see it? It's all there. Trust me. Let's pray. Heaven's calling and we're ready to go. All right. <laughs> all right. So, Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of knowing you and loving you and the freedom we have, the very breath in our being to worship you. Ah, oh, what a gift it is. And I pray, Lord, as we close this time out, maybe just the, the spirit of worship, the, the desire to sing to you and, and, to, and to love you and to remember who you are to us, Lord, in a very complicated world. So many sounds. May our heart be open to you like a window, Lord. Blow in, breeze of heaven, spirit of the living God. Challenge us, grow us, set us free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.